0: Welcome to El of the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah, and my guest today is... Introduce yourself, good sir.
1: Hey there, folks. My name is Cameron Nickat, and I am a voiceover person.
0: So, first question is the obvious one. How did you get started?
1: Uh, by complete accident, to be honest with you. Um, voiceover acting was never really something I set out to do. It was honestly never something on my radar growing up. I didn't really watch anime or cartoons as a kid. I couldn't name a single voice actor until I was in my 20s. It kind of just happened. Like, see, after I earned my degree, I went back to study film, right? Like, specifically to get more formal training in screenwriting, something i have been doing for years prior, but was kind of bad at it best. Um, so, during that time, you know, studying screenwriting a lot more, I worked pretty extensively with the film department of the junior college I was attending. Then a friend of mine, who was making a short film for a class, asked me if I could narrate the piece she was making. Now, I'd never done that before, and... We had access to a ribbon mic set up in the other department, which we were absolutely 100% not allowed to use, but we did anyway, so I figured, why not? I read her script, she handled the controls, and it turned out I really enjoyed the process. So I did a few more of those for all my friends who needed the 20-something with a deep voice, and then after I was done with school, I thought, this voice acting thing is really fun. Let's see if I can do more of it. And, uh, you know, at the time, you know, my roommate had a rock band mic, which apparently worked pretty well for USB recording. Like, online stuff, nothing professionally. So I've nabbed that and just started using that to record more online stuff. I think back in the um, like the mid-2000s, I ended up doing a whole bunch of stuff for Newgrounds Animations, Machinima. I eventually joined uh, the VIC's old forum back in, like I think, 2006, made a whole bunch of friends in the process, and we just did a whole bunch of online videos together for fun. To me, that was all voice acting was ever going to be. Like It was just a fun thing to pass the time, a fun way to collaborate with a bunch of friends online. My number one passion was always screenwriting. I was still focusing on making that my professional career, not voice acting. But, you know, after doing this for about five years as a hobbyist, still studying writing, still actively writing, like about five years of doing this, of getting to know more and more folks, I was, in, I was eventually forwarded the chance to audition for my first professional gig, Dustin Elysian Tale for the Xbox, a wonderful little indie game solo developed by Dean Dodril. you know. I auditioned for that, and somehow I ended up playing a part in that. Recorded for that in the tr- <clears throat> excuse me, recorded that in the summer of 2011, and then a year later, the game came out as it was a smash success. I was doing a lot of online stuff for years after that, but more and more, I was doing more, <clears throat> more and more. I was working on a lot of uh, indie projects in between, and you know, I started doing online stuff, a lot of indie games. Suddenly, I was doing a lot more games you know, i started doing uh, heroes of new earth back in i think 2013 and that stretched to 2017 doing like over 20 different avatars i was doing a lot more um a lot more mmos like that i ended up doing dead island epidemic i think back in 2014 uh, the beta for that for sally i think i don't think the game ever released and um a little minor thing of working with uh disney of all things on um what i think ended up being avengers playmation you know, unofficially, at least I wasn't in the final product, but after auditioning and nearly laying the part of the part of the Hulk and ultimately that not working out because I didn't live anywhere near L.A., they ended up having me contracted to work with them as a scratch voice actor for from July of 2014 all the way till December of 2015. Suddenly, before long, working on a lot of online stuff became just working on a lot of indie games and a lot of professional projects. And sure enough, here I am talking with you now.
0: And what made you want to get into V.O.?
1: Uh, Dustin Lissiantail. See, for as much as I love voice acting, I never seriously entertained the idea of doing it professionally. Like, my heart was dead set on writing professionally and just doing this as a means to have fun collaborating with some friends. Nothing more. It was playing Dust in the Xbox 360 in August of 2012. That really did it for me. So here I was, some hobbyist voice actor, and then I'm playing this really polished, really beautiful, really fun video game. And out of nowhere, I hear my voice coming out of TV. I hear a lot of the same friends I was doing these online videos with coming out of TV. Here I am recording gameplay footage for all of us to, you know, put on reels and whatever. And hearing that, it dawned on I me, mean, I really, really, really dig this. I'd love very much to do this kind of thing more professionally. I'd love to do a lot more of this. So I started upgrading my setup, got rid of that rock band year like years back, and just started per- pursuing it more professionally.
0: And what is it that you love and hate about what you
1: do? Uh, yeah, what I love and hate. Uh, Honestly, what I love is... It's 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 a lot. Like uh, getting to play all these unique colorful characters. I really love the kinds of characters I've been fortunate enough to provide the voices towards over the years. Being in video games, more recently in anime dubs, and everything in between. It's an incredibly fun experience, not just being limited to who and what you are physically, you know? Like you get to really embrace your inner child, playing all these, I like playing make-believe with all of these different characters. Like you're some snarling monster, an imposing villain, or a really cute headless guy. And it's getting to play all these different kinds of characters that lends perpetual freshness to the voiceover experience. That, and honest to God, I just love collaboration. Long before I ever got in front of a mic. Working on films and brainstorming scripts and storyboards with folks, that was what I loved most, you know? The collaborative experience. In dubbing in particular, something that I've... I I mean, I also started... Excuse me, I only really started doing that in 2020, but that's a whole new kind of collaboration that's just as creatively fulfilling, you know? Like directors pushing you to give it your all. Getting performances out of you that you don't even expect yourself to get. And seeing the engineers work in real time in such ex- impressive peak. Be- <clears throat> like seeing the engineers work in real time, you know. Getting to have that impressive peak behind the curtain. I'm used to doing all of my own audio. I'm used to doing all of my own audi- Excuse me. <laughs> I'm used to doing all of my own audio editing on my own. But never real- at the speed and expert seamlessness I've seen from every engineer I've worked with thus far. There's really, honestly, a lot that I love about voiceover acting. I could prattle on for hours and hours and hours about everything I love, but I get tongue-tied way too easily for that. So it's really hard to pinpoint any one specific thing. In terms of stuff I don't love so much, um, same thing. That is something I, drone, I could drone on forever about, but, you know, that's, that's a little too long. Um, I guess uh, the ride-up is kind of really, really hard for a lot of folks. Like, just starting out, or if you're someone like me who's been doing it, been doing it for years, it can be really, really tricky. If you're not seeing the results, you hope you are. Like, you hit tons of really dry spells, and oftentimes you can feel like you're falling behind. It can often feel demoralizing when things start to get really stagnant, which, as anyone who's worked in this business will tell you, they do. Every actor has a dry period, and thus, the longer those periods last, the more it can feel like, you know, you don't really have a future in this industry. I've seen a lot of really really talented folks just packing in because they don't feel like they can make it. They they've been at it for so long but they're just seeing no success and then you see all these other folks who join long after you do killing it. Never mind the fact that everyone has different journeys, but you know, that can make you feel like maybe you just suck. Even if that ain't the case, it's it's a case where uh, the nature of voiceover acting can kind of get you down if you're not booking nearly as much as as you'd like and oftentimes it can just be a matter of just not being right fit for the part, you know, or just the work not being available. And I sorry,
0: no, I totally agree with you. Um, there are a lot of talented people that I've had on this show that I'm just shocked are just getting started right now after, but they've been in the business for like longer than I have, <laughs> you know?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of really really talented folks out there. Like, the it's it has nothing to do with like experience. It's just a matter of they're just really good at what they do. And it's important to bear in mind that you know everyone's journey is very 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 different. I've hammered that point across to a lot of my peers. That you know, it can feel like maybe you're not getting where you wish you are, and that's oftentimes just out of bad luck or circumstance, not because of anything you in particular are doing. I mean, sometimes it could be because your setup ain't, ain't really up to snuff, you know, like for me, that was the case for a long time. Like around 2017, for example, I was booking a fair amount of work, but I wasn't booking nearly enough to like live off of. I wasn't booking enough to really expand my career. And I was honestly considering packing, packing it in. Like I stopped doing voiceover from, I think, summer of 2017 all the way into mid 2018 i just stopped i just focused squarely on writing because i wasn't getting any younger i wasn't really seeing a lot of results i liked in voice over acting that made me think i was getting ahead so i reached like a a kind of uh fork in the road where i was like am i gonna quit or am i gonna go all in And, you know, from there, I just decided to screw it, go all in. Buy the best equipment I can because I've been at this for a while and I want to see if that will help me book more work. And that same year, I ended up booking my first audiobook, you know. A lot of it really does boil down to just circumstances, rig, any number of different, um, like, different circumstances. Like, for me, a big part of why my my career sort of exploded the way it did was because of a couple of roles in anime. Like, people hearing me and having that parts circulated to other casting directors you know until then it, i was still and still am a pretty big unknown in the industry in terms of like other stuff that i'm not really fond of i think that that sort of leads into like my i think my overall bigger issue with voiceover in general is that you everyone tells you you got to go where the work is i've had so many veterans in the industry people have been doing this for 30 years telling me if you want to like get ahead, you got to go to LA, you got to go to Dallas. Or in my case, I just said, go to LA. If you want to work in video games, if you want to do animation, I just said, I wanted to be, be working, you know? And to me, it doesn't make sense. You know, like why it it doesn't make sense to me that people, that you got to up. If you, if you have your life, your roots in like a certain area, you know, you got family here, you got all your friends, you got everything you love here. It, It doesn't make sense to me to uproot all of that to try and make it for your career you know there's your career and then there's your life and it's important to have to understand which one matters most to you you know and i don't think folks should have to choose between you know a career or a life you know because what 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 is there after the 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 session ends right i think that's one thing that remote recording has done wonders to mitigate because now a lot of folks are able to work that otherwise weren't able to before a few years ago. I mean, the only reason you're talking to me right now is because of remote voiceover. I, again, my my entire career is 100% remote. Everything I've done has been from my various closets all across San Jose, you know? You're literally talking to me from my closet in San Jose. That wouldn't be possible (laughs) if not for, you know, for all these studios integrating, willing to take that chance and having their setups possible to accommodate people like me.
0: And out of all the characters you've played, which one would you say was the toughest?
1: Uh, (laughs) Physically toughest was um, Umbra from Heroes of New Earth. That one, um, uh, that was a voice I did, I think, in 2015. The only part I've ever played that I actually sort of passed out doing because all of his lines were incredibly breathy. And towards the end of my entire again this is all self-directed towards the end of my session the very last line i collapsed in my closet and dropped my mic on my skull but the worst part of that was after i finished and started listening to it i said to myself oh god this is horrible i sound out of breath for all of this so i did it all over again after that and that one it ended up sounding really good but that that one was the one of the only times i ever got lightheaded enough that I'm like, okay, I have to take a break after this. I'm, I'm gonna die if I keep doing this. In terms of like toughest in general, um, I wanna say Moses. Um, I, I, I've been working with a uh, podcast for their Spotify original series over the, since August of last year and continuing onwards. Uh, for their th- series Mythologies, they just released um, a three-part storyline called Exodus, which is, you know, the story about Moses. Uh, it starts off with him as a twenty year old you know learning the truth about his upbringing, then onward as a forty year old finding his true love, finding peace with the fact of you know what he really is, understanding his um, his bloodline, understanding his place in the world, and then finally, for the most of Exodus, I play him as a sputtering eighty year old man who 's going back to Egypt with Aaron to free the Israelites. Honestly playing the 80s the sputtering the sputtering 80-year-old man was the easiest part because play what you know right um it was playing Moses at 20 that was the hardest part for me because I'm you know I'm not nearly that young I don't have a high registry and I'm I'm not used to playing young guys like that's not what I'm ever cast as um that's not something that's on anything I've worked on so it, it was a fun challenge but it, it, it was one that that had a lot of uh, trial and error behind it. Like half of the notes I was getting throughout that session was, okay, good, good read, but take out the gravel, a little younger, a little younger. It's like, I can't, I'm trying here. Who, who would have figured playing all these monsters and all these beasts, all these snarling monstrosities and the hardest thing in my entire career was playing a 20 year old.
0: Cause you're playing a person, not an exaggerated um, fan- fantasy creature.
1: Well, playing a person—that's that, not really hard for me. It's something that I'm used to. It's something that I like. I like naturalistic performances as much as I love like the, the fancy stuff. It's just in this case, literally playing young is very, very hard for me.
0: Yeah, uh, and um, does it feel uh, does it feel weird hearing yourself in all these shows and video games?
1: Not really. I mean, I, I've been working I, but even before I was doing this professionally. I was making a lot of my own stuff. You know, I, I had to hear myself over and over again for a lot of the stuff I was making i've been doing this for 16 years professionally for 11 you become very very accustomed to hearing your own voice over and over and over and as narcissistic as, as narcissistic as it sounds you got to love your voice you know if you don't then how who why would anyone cast you right um and seeing the final products that you've worked on i think it's more processing how far you've come than it is like weird like first first time i've worked on the an anime dub like I'll admit, that took a second to register that I was even a part of, because for the few times I ever watched anime, I watched them as a viewer. But that's, that's the good kind of weird, the wow, I never thought I'd be in anything like this before kind of weird, least of all for my closet.
0: Now, um, real talk, uh, you were the best part of Glupnare for me. Like, your character was the best thing about that show.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that very much. I, I loved everyone in that part. Like They, they all like knocked it out of the part. I-, I just really enjoyed playing Mr. Swordhands.
0: I and mean, he's 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 a, guy, he's a giant skeleton with sword hands. He's got a cool deep voice, and I'm like, and I was what I was, and that that show uh, was how I came across you, because when I looked you up, I'm like, huh, he doesn't have that many credits, but he got cast in this you know
1: big role. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah that that was how I uh, that was honestly how I got introduced to a lot of folks. I mean, IMDb doesn't do me justice. Like I've been in way more projects than what IMDb shows, but I I can't find most of them to to add them on, so I'm just like, whatever, I'll take what I can get. But yeah, I mean, that that really was how most folks came to know me through Glepnir. Before then, I was still like very, very much invisible, I, I would say, to a lot of folks, like not, not to the casting directors, of course, because they were always forwarding me the work, but samba was the first that was like a role that suited me and then allowed me to shine in ways I usually don't get to.
0: And uh, do you do you watch or any of the shows or, uh, or play any of the games you've worked
1: on? Uh, sometimes. Like, i've worked on over 80 video games i've only played about like a a dozen of them if that but the ones i have played i adored and not because i was in them but because they were just really 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 good but most of the games i'm in i i the the ones i don't play i either don't know how to play or they're just not my kind of games or i straight up can't access them or they're baby apps you know like things meant for developing children with anime dubs i worked on like that was different like contrary to this i know this is weird to admit but i don't really watch anime to be honest with you it was never something listen i'm an iranian you know it, 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 you grow up in the 80s and the early 90s in the iranian household rule of thumb is you don't watch cartoons you don't watch anime you don't watch what you want you're gonna watch whatever the hell mom and grandma want to watch and you're gonna enjoy it or else that that's the rule growing up so i never really got a chance to get acclimated with anime and the ones that were recommended to me like i only watched two or three of them Working on these shows, however, like I'll admit, it hits differently. Like I get really, really invested, in when I hear the whole cast in action and to see how beautifully everything comes together, I should Glutnia, for example, I sure up binge the, that entire series over the course of a single night instead of sleeping. That's how into the show I got, and I really, really liked it. I loved like how surreal it was. I love, I loved the music. I loved the fight scenes. I loved all the characters. The voice acting blew me away. You know, Tribe Nine adored that too. Adored it from start to finish. It was the first. Um, I love that show so much. So I even attended the um, the the rap sh- stream. I've never attended the stream in my life. and I'm sure I was probably awkward at a few moments, but I loved working on that show so much. I love, you know, seeing the cast in action that I was like that invested, you know. Maybe I'm biased. I'm part of them, but I just, I madly enjoyed everything I've, I've been a part of thus far.
0: No. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, being Iranian, you know, as, as someone who, you know, is Kuwaiti. Uh, growing up, we didn't get a lot of people of color, you know, people like, you know, people uh, of color no. from from the region in these shows. No. And one of the things, I've said this in a previous episode, but like one of the things I love is seeing people like me doing the voices on these shows and not doing the stereotypical Middle Eastern voice.
1: Oh, exactly. I, I cannot express to you how much I, I'm loving seeing like so many Middle Eastern actors killing it in the anime and gaming scene. Like, I'm just so thrilled seeing them thrive like that. And I'm seriously hoping to see a lot more of them as the years go on, you know?
0: So how did you get involved with Cookie Run? Unfortunately,
1: this is... <laughs> <laughs> this is a very short and, like, uneventful story. Like, one of the main casting directors who've been forwarding, forwarding auditions my way for years now shot the audition my way. Like they said, it was, you know, a union job, but if you book it, you'll be tough hardly lead So... I auditioned for the first wave, didn't get any. I auditioned for the second wave, like a few months later. Found out fairly recently, I booked Wildberry, and uh, I booked it. And that was that. You know, it, it was my first union job. Like that, that was that was exciting. Very, very different than what I'm used to. But you know, beyond that, it was business as usual. Attended the session, recorded on my end, um, worked with a director I'm incredibly fond of working with, and had a great time.
0: And what's your favorite thing about playing Wildberry?
1: I think what I love about him is that he is so drastically different from my usual type, you know, um, he's a far more quiet and stoic type yet. He's still someone who's on all the time. Like he, he has no chill. Like he's not blowing up at people, but he, he's very, he's very much the guy with the stick up his you know what? <laughs> and despite that, he still manages to be almost adorable at points, you know, like given how earnest and bashful he can get uh, the way he's, he's so, um, I, I guess the word is um, exasperated by Holly Berry, yet he still admires her. He still really cares about her. She's as like a friend or a big sister or, or even a mother type, you know? There's a lot about him that's endearing, but a lot about him that's still like no nonsense, no um, no underestimating this guy. He, he's tough. He's, he's, he, he's about as deadpan as I am half the time, but he still manages to be very, very, very likable in spite of that.
0: What are some of your favorite uh, Wildberry lines?
1: Um, I-, I love the lines between Hollyberry and uh, Wildberry, where he's constantly in pure exasperation to ke- trying to keep her from overdoing it with the juice. With lines where this stoic fierce knight has to get all awkwardly mum- mumbly about how he doesn't party or drink the way Hollyberry does, you know, he's very much the well, I don't know, like th- this isn't for me, you know. It's not my sort of thing and then you got Hollyberry saying, "Come on, lighten up." He's like, "All oh, right, I'll just have one." And you know, stuff like that. I-, I always enjoy like those more human moments.
0: Uh my favorite line is not all Hollybarians like uh whatever the juice is called. Yep. Because <laughs> it's just said in such a deadpan way. I'm like, okay, I didn't ask, but...
1: <laughs> that is very much what I love about this guy. He's he's very like... um what, What's the word? He, he's very, very uh, neutral in, in his line delivery. It makes it, a lot of lines a lot more funnier as a result.
0: Um, have you ever gotten the chance to meet any of your fellow Cookie Run castmates? And if so, who would you say was the most fun to be around?
1: If you mean in person, no, like my entire career, as I said, is 100% remote. Like I interact with a number of peers and pals online or over social media, but I've never once met a single one of these voice actors in person before at once in over 16 years. Um, I, I generally don't have a lot of direct interaction with anybody, you know, beyond live sessions. And honestly, I'll be honest. I feel like that's for the best. I'm someone with a fair bit of social anxiety, and I don't share a lot of the same interests as my peers. So, limited interaction means less chances of embarrassing myself or making things awkward. You know.
0: Uh, no, I can totally relate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but 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 it's a fun cast, you know. To to, to be a part of um, a game like that with such a great cast must be you know incredible
1: and an incredible experience. Oh, yeah, these are all phenomenal, phenomenal folks. Like, I feel like I'm saying this over and over, but each one of these projects I'm, I'm working on these days, I'm amazed I get to be a part of a cast with all these ridiculously talented people. And
0: uh, what was the best and worst advice you've ever gotten as an actor?
1: Um, submit it and quit it. That's that's probably the best advice I've ever got. Uh, that that pro- <laughs> probably needs some explanation. When you're sending off countless auditions weekly, you got to write them off because as soon as you send them off, you can't think about them. You can't think, oh, God, I hope I get it. Record it. Submit it. Move on. Never think about it again unless you land it. Because you're going to get a lot of really fun opportunities to come your way, parts you really, really want. But if you get attached to it and you don't get it, that's going to hurt a little bit more, you know? Just don't even think about anything you audition for. You know, have fun with them, but throw as much as you can at the wall and see what sticks. Move on, you know? Most of the stuff I've, I've been booking, for example, these are things I had this room for months ago. I hadn't thought about until, um, you know, until I booked them. That's the safest way to go about because you're you're keeping your head in the game. You're constantly focusing on the next part, constantly actively seeking new work, ensuring you're more likely to book stuff, you know? As for worst advice, oh God, this one is, um, this one, I won't say who gave me this advice because it's a, it's actually from a, legend but bad advice bad advice um don't waste your time submitting parts you know you're not a good fit for to um casting directors you know i'll admit i I do that a lot like i there's a lot of parts that i audition for that literally even at my most vulnerable i'll stop halfway and be like no this ain't working like again i mentioned that i'm i'm bad at young guy voices right um I did probably my most emotionally raw audition I've ever done in my life. Like one where I was just bawling and towards the end of the part where I'm crying, I literally stopped halfway. I'm like, Oh God, I sound terrible. Like I can't cry young. Like that audition. That was funny. I I spent the whole time like getting the young guy voice. And as soon as I started crying, I'm like, Oh Nope, there's my age. Scrap it. Scrap it It ain't going to work. Stuff like that, yeah. There, there's a lot of auditions that I know I'm not good for. Like again, for tried nine, for example, the first wave of aud- auditions, I instantly saw Haru. I immediately said nope and moved right on. But the fact of the matter is, you have to be able to go outside of your comfort zone. You have to be able to prove you can. You're or, or sorry, you're willing to to be daring. You're willing to give things a shot that you're not, you know, usually that confident in. Because a lot of the times you're auditioning for things, you're not auditioning for complete strangers. You're auditioning for casting directors you've worked with for years. The worst thing that can happen is you're not going to get the part. It's not like they're going to hear you and think, wow, that's so bad. I'm never going to send auditions that way again. No, you got to be willing to take chances because even if you're not a right fit for that part, you might be a good fit for another part. But if you don't submit something, you'll never know. So I I get what this person was saying and I, I respect them immensely, but not great advice.
0: I think I know who you're talking about because I remember hearing that advice and I'm like, does that really <laughs> you know apply to everybody, especially nowadays when we're starting to see more casting directors take chances on it with uh, people who you wouldn't expect to be in 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 those roles. Like exactly. I remember I remember one of my favorite quotes on Twitter was someone saying hearing Patrick Seitz do a voice that doesn't sound like Patrick Seitz is weird.
1: <laughs> it's almost like he's a voice actor.
0: And um, if you could play any existing character in any, fr- in any franchise, who would it be and why?
1: Oh, boy. Um, there's a bunch. Like, uh, the, when I look at this, I, I think I don't, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Uh, so I want to look at more towards um, like just like legacy characters, characters that have a bunch of portrayals. I, I think, believe it or not, someone like Scarecrow from batman might be someone i really really want to go for you know they've they've had a whole bunch of different um interpretations before but i i like doing characters i'm not known for characters i'm not used to you know like i said wildberry was a great example of that he's like a stoic but he's endearing i i love playing creepy characters but i never really get a chance to play them on a larger scale like that out of all the Batman villains I can think of, Scarecrow is the one I always, always, like, gravitate towards the most. He's someone I really, really dig. I'd love to just give him my own spin and just be as creepy and unnerving as humanly possible and then, like, just unleashing that on the world, you know?
0: I've, I've yet to hear a take of a Scarecrow that came off as, like, legitimate creepy because um, Jeffrey Combs's, um take was more uh, reserved and very, like, very... Um... And I wouldn't I wouldn't say emotion emotionless, but it was very reserved, very calm, very frightening in its own way. But you know, not what you you know what not what, not what you're describing. Um, Robert England's take was more uh, someone who is in love with fear and wants to inflict it on everybody. And I can't remember the rest. So those are the Well, oh, there was also ones.
1: like uh, Dino Andrade from the um, Arkham Asylum game. Oh, oh before. yeah, he
0: was great. He was great. Yeah. He was probably my
1: favorite scarecrow. And I think the most naturally creepy to me was actually John Noble in Arkham Knight because it, it, it was weird because in Arkham Knight, he doesn't really use the fear toxin to mess with people, but he himself is just so naturally unnerving. And I think a lot of that is just how unnervingly calm and, dead john noble's voices the way he talks that whole time compared with that gruesome look to his face but i mean it, that, that's part of the fun to be honest with you just trying to come up with something that no one else has done before and seeing if that sticks you know
0: um one of my favorite scenes in that game was uh, towards the end where he has barbara hostage and you know you think like oh is he gonna push her over and then he just does it without any hesitation mm-hmm. and it's just
1: like holy crap dude and that great line at the end, that that was one cemented John Noble for me, when he just leans up to her, no fear gas, and then there's the most unnerving voice, shh, it's okay to be afraid, and then just, whoosh, down, down she goes.
0: Um, yeah, so I'm pretty much out of all the questions there. That- <laughs>
1: <laughs> so. Well, if there's if there's anything else you want to ask, I got a little bit of time. Otherwise, you know, this is uh, 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 uh,
0: might as well just focus on Cookie Run, seeing as like that's mo- what people are mostly <laughs> going to be listening to this for. Um, have you ever gotten the chance to play it?
1: Oh, uh, no, I, I don't. There's only one mobile game I think I've ever played, and that's uh, Woodoku. Like that, that I'm obsessed with that game. Like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe just being a little older, I'm very, very fond of those. Um, you know, the, the, those like very basic skill games like tetris and pac-man stuff like that so something like that and that unique spin on tetris is just very very uh very me but based on what i saw i would really like to play this game if my phone can run it
0: i mean i used to run it on i used to have a really crappy phone it and i and i would play it like uh constantly so i'm pretty sure you could run it
1: i mean does your phone have a headphone jack though
0: oh boy <laughs> that's
1: how old my phone is <laughs>
0: what 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 phone are you using
1: i have no idea i literally got this phone in 2017 i said give me the cheapest phone with the headphone jack you got and that'll be that
0: (laughs) because i was playing it on iphone 6s back you know a couple uh, for a couple years now before i switched recently so
1: Mm.
0: you know it can run it i'm pretty sure
1: I mean this this phone is literally falling apart, so I'm I'm gonna have to upgrade it at some point. So who knows? Maybe when I do, I can put put put, put the game in and see if I can unlock myself.
0: Because <laughs> I already got you, and I'm like, oh, that's pre- it's a pretty cool voice.
1: <laughs> I hope you're kicking all the butt with that, with that guy.
0: <laughs> well, we gotta have, level him up first because you know you already ah. like it's already late in the game, and you already have all these other cookies that you gotta. It's all micromanagement. <laughs> it's all micromanagement. <laughs>
1: So a poor, badass Wildberry starts off as a little level one baby, huh?
0: <laughs> I mean, he's level thirty now, so you know we'll just get get slowly get him up there know, to to a point to get him to to uh, on the team. Make but, him proud, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and does it feel weird, like um, you know, being a part of this huge game with a with a huge with a huge fan base? Like, what was the you know reaction to seeing yourself um, be in something this big?
1: Holy crap, that, <laughs> that was my reaction. Like, I, again, I, I am a unknown in this industry. So having just having such a massive response to a character I played, I'm not used to that. Like, Tribe 9 was the first part, of, the first role, I, I'm sorry, uh, Hanafuda from Tribe 9 was the first role I ever had where I had cons, consistent fan art. I, I'm not used to seeing any fan art of characters i played before. So seeing this massive response, seeing all these folks like, like gushing about Wildberry, i'm like oh holy crap they're they're really into this guy i'm i'm digging it having a my one and only post that's ever exceeded a thousand like likes and uh, like retreats and all that stuff the announcement from uh wow for uh wildberry you know i'm this is all completely new to me and i'm i'm all for it i may be socially anxious but i i, I absolutely will take all the praise i can get
0: um also i want to point out that his design reminded me a lot i don't know if this was intentional or not but his design reminded me of fisto from masters of the universe so i'm just kind of wondering was that intentional
1: see i saw this guy and i thought man that gauntlet is this cookie thanos because i'm think- i'm okay being cookie thanos
0: i mean he's he's got the big fist he punches people i'm like yeah that's fisto <laughs>
1: Misto punches away, Thanos is inevitable, and Wildberry is dutiful.
0: <laughs> and, uh, well, I mean, thank you so much for taking the time off to do this. I know it must have, you know, <laughs> it's it's so weird getting you on short notice because usually I have to wait a couple months to get someone to, to get on <laughs> to talk about something that they just did. But there you oh, go. No
1: I'm, I'm more than happy to do it. I, I'm I'm actively like I'm I'm usually doing a lot of stuff in between anyway. Like I'm very much used to just running around back and forth, going from work to being in the booth in the session. So this is part of the course for me.
0: Um, and uh, before I wrap this up, uh, hmm? can you give us an update on what you're currently working on and where can people find you online?
1: Uh, you can find me online at uh, Twitter at uh, Cameron Nickad. Uh, you know spelled differently than how most folks are used to it you know um in terms of what i'm currently working on well the one i can talk about i'm I'm still working you know i I mentioned exodus i'm working very consistently with podcasts so if any of y'all got a spotify account you can check out any of their any of uh some of their three shows uh mythology solved murders unsolved murders Um, you're going to hear a bunch of me and a lot of those throughout various episodes released between August and now. So got a whole bunch more to come. Um, there, there's a couple of fun animes coming out that I can't talk about yet, but they're going to be releasing relatively soon. And I can talk about those then. And, um, beyond that, I'm waiting along with the rest of you just, um, for the new stuff.
0: So until then, we can enjoy you as, as Wildberry and, you know, just wait uh, while we wait on the rest to drop, basically. Absolutely. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time after to do this. And if you ever want to come back, you know where to find me.
1: Absolute pleasure. You have a great day.
0: Okay. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.